Hello, Rally Cappers, and welcome. We are uh, bringing in Scott Stanley here, the assistant baseball coach at San Diego Christian College. Uh, good friend of mine. We played together at Southern Nazarene University uh, a couple years back, my junior year. Was that, what was that your senior year, Scott? That was my senior year, yeah. Yep. So your senior year, yeah. Yeah, so I uh, played there, and now he's, uh, he's coaching down in San Diego, uh, assistant college coach there. And um, let's just get right into it right now. Tell us a little bit, a little bit more about your journey and uh, how you came to be a college baseball coach. Yeah. So thanks for thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. And I'm actually here in Arizona. Uh, we're on a, we're in a tournament, and I know we'll get into that more later. But uh, I'm in a hotel room, you know, hunkering down and ready ready to get after this podcast. I'm stoked for for to be here. So yeah, um, coached. Uh, this is my second year at Santa Christian College. Before that, I was uh, I was uh, coaching at Torrey Pines High School um, a couple of years there. And before that, I was uh, at Canyon Crest Academy in Sage Creek. So been around a little bit, um, but it's my second year here, like I said, and doing my master's actually. I'll be finished in August. So I'm stoked for that and ready for that to be over for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it's been a grind, but it, it'll be worth it in the end. And just kind of my career path, what I want to get into, and it'll just help me, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely blessed with the opportunity I got to, you know, obviously do my master's and on top of that, you know, coaching college and that's my goal. So, yeah, two birds, one stone. That's we'll talk a little bit about uh, like the ultimate goal in a little bit, but um, so I played it at, at San Diego Christian, actually my senior year, just for the listeners. And the year before I got there, the, one of the reasons why I transferred there was we went to the world series the year before uh, the NAIA world series and had a coaching changed in the year I played, we were not very good. So give us an outlook of what it's looking like this year. How, how has the ship turned for you? Yeah, it, it actually has turned uh, quite a bit. Um, like I said, this is my second year. So, um, you know, we've, we've had a really good recruiting class the last two years and kids have stayed on board. We haven't had anybody jump ship yet. Um, that's a joke. I mean, kids are supposed to be here. I mean, they're in San Diego, they're playing great baseball and, the GSAC is a great conference. Um, you know, you got Westmont, Vanguard, William Jessup. Um, that's just a couple of the guys in our conference that are powerhouses year in, year out. So we've definitely changed the culture um, just in the two years I've been here. Coach Schrader, uh, Coach Brian Schrader is the uh, head coach. And, you know, he's done really great things. He, he's long, long career um, in baseball with coaching and, and playing. He uh, grew up in uh, – you know, San Diego and, and went to UCLA and then ended up pitching with the Cardinals organization for a while. And we got a great, great staff with, um, with some college, college experience uh, playing wise and coaching wise. So it's awesome. It's a great, it's a great group of us, uh, a staff. And then the players are just, are, they're terrific. So it's awesome. For sure. Nice. So are you more focused on, I, I you just mentioned he's the, basically the pitchers guy, uh, Schrader. Yeah. Are you focused on the, the hitters or the defense or what's your area of expertise? Yeah. So I'm coaching third this year, um, working with the hitters and then I, I coach the outfitters. Um, so we've had a, we've had a few coaching changes with uh, this year, uh, some COVID stuff and, you know, with the school kind of locking the, the, you know, the doors in the sense of, you know, budget and all that stuff. So we've had some coaches kind of, step away because they need full-time jobs and this, that, and the other, but the staff we have, and we've got four solid dudes um, that are just, they're great. So, um, you know, helping kind of, we're all kind of hands on, you know, all hands on deck um, 
but yeah, I'm doing the outfield hitting and, and uh, coaching third and it's awesome. Yeah, that's cool to hear, especially at the the smaller schools, you know, that don't get necessarily the funding is like the big dogs do how sure. you, you have to be like essentially coach a lot more at the Definitely. lower levels because you're doing, like you said, the base running, the outfielding, the third yep. base coaching, hitting yep. pretty yep. much everything. You got to be a jack of all trades. I, what's your favorite aspect of it? Are, they, you, are you hitters or outfield? Yeah, I would, I would say my, my hitters, um, I, I, you know, I focus when I'm in the outfield, I'm just defensively in the outfield, but with hitting, I'm, I'm, I have all the infielders and the catchers and the, and the outfielders. Um, nice. So it's, it's awesome to, you know, get to work with, you know, everyone really. And, um, you know, specifically hitting, I mean, that's, that's my go-to. I was an offensive player. I was never a pitcher. Uh, You're right. Tyler, you know, you yeah, you always you always raked for a skinny guy. That's 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 oh, for sure. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's what I've been told in the past. I you know I was I was I was solid. I was solid. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's awesome. The kids are great, and, and they're so coachable and want to get better. And they're just they're ready for a kind of a breakout year. This year is it's going to be a fun fun season. So we just started off today. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. One and zero starting today. One and zero. We won eleven uh, seven today. Uh, big win against Ottawa, Arizona. Actually, um, okay. The tournament locally here in the, the Mesa area. So, yeah, nice. just um, just you know, off to a great start, and you know, everyone's feeling good. So we hadn't we hadn't been on a ball field, and you know, live abs and all that stuff, and you know, a good ten months. So it's it was good to get back on the field and. You know, there was definitely some nerves and some jitters, you know, the first couple innings. And then we got the bats bats going and playing some solid defense today. Um, pitching was definitely held their own. But, you know, the defense and the pit and the hitting definitely kept us kept us in the game. And it's over the top for sure today. Yeah. Can't, can't beat the weather out here right now. I mean, no, yeah, it was, it was definitely nice. And uh, we've had some rain out in San Diego and some really cold weather actually with some crazy kind of, you know, hurricane winds honestly the last yeah did, last it, did it snow up there too yeah so it was snowing out like in the mountains and julian and kind of that alpine area yeah and, not and too far away though out. yeah not too far away we're out in santee so uh east county san diego but yeah on the way out was was uh, actually quite a bit of snow and some of the kids were you know not from around here that you know washington and northern california and some out-of-state kids are oh it snows so close to close to the beach coach i said yeah i said it's it's every every weather's every weather's here so yeah awesome for sure for sure yeah, awesome. uh so as far as like i mean obviously overall your guys is to get to the uh to get to the world series long term wise thinking thinking way ahead what's your ultimate goal as a coach what what's the yeah. uh what's the dream job for you for sure so yeah i mean like I said, I'm going to be done with my master's here in August. I'll be, uh, be on my way. I'm trying to get to a D1. So I'm just trying to land that D1 job as a volunteer or as a paid assistant and uh, just work my way up. And, you know, my, I've had some, you know, I've set some goals early on as, in, as a coach. And now I'm kind of, now that I'm in the college coaching world, it's kind of, I want to kind of really excel here in the next couple of years. And my goal is to be a head coach by the time I'm 40. I'll be 31 when I finish. Uh, I don't look it, you know, I, I got that, yeah. you know, that nice, got the nice, baby uh, face, baby face going. So, 
Uh, but yeah, no, so I'll be done. I'll be done with my masters and trying to get to, you know, D one and be a head coach by the time I'm 40 and reach goals 35. So, you know, I definitely believe I can get the, uh, the, the first goal of, you know, being by the time I'm 40, you know, and then reach goals 35. That's why I put it, you know, four years, crazier things have happened in life, you know, especially in business and in the world of sports. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Definitely have a lot of coaching, um, coaching contacts over the last few years of, co of coaching high school and now college. And it's been, it's been really a pleasure to kind of, kind of piggyback those guys and really kind of, they're like mentors, you know, really uh, those college coaches that I've gotten to, you know, I got so much on my phone that I can just be like, Hey, what do you got for me? What, what are you guys doing? You know, kind of get ideas from them and, you know, advice of what I need to do to kind of get to that next level, which is that D one level. So for sure. Do you, do you have a certain philosophy that like you've been modeling after a certain coach or have you uh, did a blend of everyone or. I, I would say, I, I mean, maybe it's a little cliche, but I mean, I'm myself, you know, as a coach, I, I try to, I try to say, you know, I'm an even keel guy. So when I'm, when I'm coaching, I'm not, when I'm talking to the player, like outside of baseball, you know, about life, I'm not going to change because I'm a coach, I'm not going to be yelling and screaming. So the even kill kind of monotone, you know, whatever you want to call it uh, side of me stays as a coach, but the, the demand of success and greatness and, you know, positivity that, that is always on, uh, you know, our, our, our staff, especially, but myself, you know, trying to be, be the pump up, you know, be the, be the guys that are, you know, ready for, ready for action. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Augie Garrido, your name and you're, you're asking some names of coaches, Augie Garrido is one of them. Um, he's a family friend of mine and, you know, he's the second all time winning as coach in college baseball history. So I, when I, got the coaching gig here that was like that was my that was another goal of mine and I want to be the all-time winning as coach in D1 history and I know that's, go. that's huge you know that's obviously yeah. way out there but you know like I said crazier things have happened and I I believe I can do it you know I just need to get in the right the right coaching uh with the right coaching staff to start and then kind of just work my way up and you know God's good and he'll he'll bless me with all that so I'm not I'm not worried about that so. Yeah, especially if you're if you're coaching before forty, you'll have a uh, lengthy career to to reach that goal. So no, no doubt, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So who's the best player, uh, either playing against or coached or coached against? Who's the best player that you've seen on a field so far? So for I'll take the first question. So playing against Bryce Harper. Yeah. Uh, playing against him when he was at Southern Nevada. Um, I went Southern Nevada. Uh, yeah. When he was there and just, he was unbelievable. Uh, the, he, we played him at the Western regional before they ended up going to the world series in uh, grand junction, Colorado. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. Six for six, four home runs, a triple double, seven RBIs. He was catching at the time. That a was decent day. Decent day. He did a solid day. Um, yeah, he, he threw two guys out from his knees from behind the plate, just like on a line. It's just, it was unreal. And then uh, they, in the last couple innings, they were killing us like 14 to six or something. And they just were putting the scrubs in, but, you know, solid, still solid D1 dudes that were probably ended up getting drafted. Um, but the, he, he went in the outfield and just from the warning track, there was a ball in the gap and he just 
casually jogged over to it and just hosed, hosed our, our second baseman, which is one of our fastest guys, all the way at third. And it was just the most unbelievable thing probably I've seen on a baseball field in a long time. Plus his throwing, his throwing progression before the game. I mean, foul pole to foul pole at 17. I mean, you can see, you guys all know, I mean, listeners and Tyler and, you know, you guys are all, you see what his, his, his arm does on the baseball field. So yeah, it's definitely real. <laughs> and at 17, it was the same. So yeah. Crazy. So then, yeah. Then also coaching, um, coaching, I would say, uh, two guys come to mind actually on the the same field like I got to coach um Mac Bingham who's actually at the uh, currently at the University of Arizona um and he he's an outfielder that runs like a deer and has a cannon and I mean he he's like a little I would say he's kind of like a little Dustin Pedroia but fast as can be and has power nice Uh, and then Joey McGreasy, uh, he was at Fullerton for a couple years, uh, his first two years, and then now he's at Palomar, and he'll get he'll get drafted this year. Um, some teams are on him early, so he's a he's a right-handed pitcher, and he's probably he's probably 90-93, and got a banger of a changeup, one of the best changeups I've ever seen, and uh, a dirty slider. So, yeah, he's he's uh, he's up there too. So those two guys definitely. Sweet. Uh, I got, I got one more question for you. Heim, do you have any before I, uh, before I ask him? Let it ride. All right, cool. I know you're a pods fan, grew up in San Diego. We were talking a little bit about before we went on, on the air here, but um, so now they're expected to be contenders this year. Do you think they're like set with their roster? Or you think they should continue to go after some pieces such as like a Bauer, someone else to, uh, to be competing with the Dodgers, Mets and Braves? Yeah, that'd be awesome if we got Bauer. Um, I, you know, hearing all this craziness about the Mets, they got so much money to spend and new ownership. They want to win. Um, I think Bauer's out for us, but you know, someone in the back end of the bullpen, uh, Colome Rosenthal to bring him back would be awesome. We got so many young pieces that I think not enough starting pitching is well. If you have enough starting pitching you're set because you can let those guys run in the, you know, long innings, you know, in the sixth and seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think a back end bullpen guy, maybe a couple bench guys, but I think, I think I like, I like the additions that we've had this off season. I mean, Preller, I mean, more power to him, man, trading those guys and getting what we got with Darvish and Snell and, you know, Clevenger obviously is out for the year, but when he comes back next year, I think our four is, is any is best compared to anybody on the, on the field. Um, and the rotation wise, but yeah, Tatis is special, man. I've seen him play in person, obviously last year with COVID, I couldn't, couldn't watch any games, but when he, when his rookie year, he, he's, he's something different. He's kind of like a Harper. Um, when I saw him at 17, I was like, yeah, that kid's going to be legit. You know, he's barely 21 when he got into the league and Tatis is something special. And I'm, I'm hoping a, an extension here for, for him is, is going to be, uh, going to be set him set him up and set San Diego up for a long time for sure so, yeah I'll be stoked for a, a good season and I'm just to get out to some ball games too I'm I'm ready to get back to Peco Peco is such a great great atmosphere and uh you know the great food you got the you know the drinks and the and the you know just the beach lifestyle is kind of there which is different for a ballpark you know you'd think you go to a baseball game it's like you're there to watch it you know it's like Yankee Stadium you know you 
everyone's into it. You know, Petco, you got the, the laid back chill, you know, vibe going, but everyone's pumped when they're, when they're winning. <laughs> do they, do they still got that club in right field? Yeah. So they, they change it to a, uh, a deck. So it's kind of like two level deck. It's wood deck. So it's kind of more that beachy vibe. They took out the sand. <laughs> they had the sand uh, for you listeners out there. Never been to Petco or never seen it. Uh, yeah. They, they took some, they had sand. It was literally a beach out there. It was insane. It yeah, was awesome. It was pretty funny. They had a little and, wiffle ball field and the yep, sand. Yep. And they still got that. They still got that. Digging and throwing yeah. sand with each other. Yep. Yep. They took out the sand, but they got the beach deck out there and it's a good time for sure. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be stoked for the Padres this year. I, I definitely think they're going to compete and compete to not just win the West. I think they're going to, what, what they showed in the playoffs last year, I think they just needed a few more arms and, more experience so yeah. I think they got that belt and yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a great year I think for us so can't wait to get it started nice um yeah so I if Jaime if you don't have any more I think that's uh that's all we got we want to check we want to check back in with you about halfway through the season or see where yeah. you see how you guys are doing so sure. um Definitely. we'll definitely have you back on your recurring guest now. So anytime we ask you, you got to come on. So All right, no doubt I'll, I'll make time for it. That's, that's easy enough. All right. Perfect. Nice yeah. All thanks right. bro. And uh, good luck for the rest of the weekend. Uh, yes, start off uh, undefeated and yeah. go back to Cali with some dubs. So yeah. Or no, awesome. So awesome, man. Thanks again. Good luck for the rest yeah. of the year. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. See you guys. All right. See you. One. Hello and welcome back, Rally Cappers. We got episode 15. Uh, today is, what is it today? January 29th. Um, so, yeah, well, it's today, January 29th. We are going into the weekend. Not a 28th. whole not a whole lot going on this weekend in the sports world. So, we're just going to talk rumors and what's going on throughout the rest of the world. But it's still going to be a great show. So if you guys like this, always remember, let your buddy know, tell your friends, post it on your socials, tag us in it. Let us know. We'll be happy yep. to give you a shout out. Okay. We're go we're doing bullish and bearish segment to start here. Um, Heim hit us with, hit us with your bullish. I want to start off on a positive note. Then we'll shit on the, on the bearish guys. Folks, this is uh you know, this is a big surprise. It's going to catch everyone a little off guard, but I'm bullish on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, here we go. We're looking for number seven. It's his 10th Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I'm bullish on the Bucks. Everyone thinks they have no shot. The Chiefs are the greatest team ever. We love Mahomes. Tyree Kill is super fast, but I'm still a believer. I am still a believer. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Let's see. I mean, he's been a three point dog for the last three weeks. So, I mean, sp spot the lie there. He, he's, he's a three point dog again, and he might just go down and, and win him another Super Bowl. And this win would give him more than any franchise in football has ever had. So, that's 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 Let's not a bad go. stat to have Let's on your resume. Go. Yes. All right. So my bullish, I'm going to Sean Watson. I read an article today on ESPN. I forget the guy's name who posted it, but he literally walked through every single team scenario 
uh, for them to try to get <laughs> try to get Deshaun Watson. <laughs> and I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is just such a great read that this dude literally considered should every team be going for this guy? Because A, yes, he is that good. <laughs> And B, any team that does get him is an immediate contender. I know we just like that theory is kind of proven wrong watching Houston play this year. But if you have somewhat of a roster and somewhat of a competent front office, you should be able to figure out how to make a very, very good team with the Sean Watson as your quarterback. So I'm the my personal favorite. This would be like the if I were like the owner of the Madden franchise and I was able to make a trade, it would be Deshaun Watson uh, to the Packers. And I would try to get a, either all of their picks and just say, Hey, give me like your entire team or just give me Aaron Rodgers and like one more first round pick. And that way you're getting, getting little uh, crybaby Rodgers out of town. You're able to get rid of Watson, you know, you, you can just restart and then you also have Aaron Rodgers and now Aaron Rodgers has to play in Houston, which would be just hilarious and disastrous at the same time. So I personally, that, that would be my favorite one. If, if we were to see that happen, although that's probably the most unlikely scenario, but I, I loved, I loved reading that segment of it. He's like, maybe Rodgers, like, dude, no, like, but Great, great part of the article to make me read another like six minutes so I can uh, scroll to the actual trades. I thought um, Miami, obviously, they've got two uh, and two first round picks. That would be a serious deal. I think we, we talked about this a while back. That's probably like their best option. Um, they, I mean, they, there's also a ton of other teams that are out there. Like we were just talking about this, the Niners. If I was saying if they were to give up every single pick for the next, or let's just say first three do rounds, it. do it. The, yeah. For the first three round picks for the next four years, like you give them 12 picks. Honestly, if you're the Niners, your team is good enough right now and it's worth it to get him. I know you're probably going to run into some cap issues and that would really cripple your team after, after those five years, but shit, you might win two or three titles in that span. So uh, you can, I, I think it, that would be the best place for him to go as far as like going to a good team that has a great coach and that runs a scheme that he would fit perfectly into or, or I like the Washington football team because they have a good offense. Uh, not, not, I shouldn't say good offense. They have a good, like they have a good core, you know, with Terry McLaurin and um, gosh, why, why I only can name one guy and then I'm blanking on the other dude's name. Um, shit antonio gibson and then they've got uh i like uh, jd mckissick as well <laughs> in the backfield so they don't have like the worst offense and watson immediately makes those receivers much better and their defense is like a top three defense and let's not forget they're in the weakest division in football with the mm-hmm. cowboys so i kind of like that one who, who would you be like the team that you would want to see him go to yeah, I mean, I think the Dolphins makes a ton of sense just in terms of what they could send back, the picks they have, the defense that is already around them. I mean, here's the thing. Deshaun Watson is a 25-year-old franchise quarterback who consensus everyone thinks could lead a team to, you know, multiple Super Bowls. So he fits. This is pretty unique in the sense that he fits almost anywhere, right? So – 
I mean, if he if he was to go to the 49ers, for example, that would be a massive coup for the Bay Area. I would I, I love that. Um yeah, I, I, I don't know that I have a favorite in terms of where he should go. Miami makes a ton of sense, but Everyone, everywhere makes sense to his salary cap situation. Texans already paid most of his bonus. So he's only a 10, he's really only a $10 million cap hit for this next year. So it makes sense for almost everyone in the NFL. Uh, This is going to be interesting for sure to see where, where exactly he ends up because Deshaun Watson is a generational type talent and whoever can acquire him and bring him into the fold is set up for multiple Super Bowl runs over the next, you know, five to seven years yes indeed um you know what i that was a long bullish um take for us but we <laughs> we kind of skipped over the bearish so we're going back to bearish we're gonna we're gonna circle back bearish. around to who we're bearish on Ugh. i'm gonna go first because i know jaime is gonna uh go in on on a certain some it's more of a group of people but I'm going after a group as well today. If you didn't see what happened in the news with Robin Hood and people trading and like the manipulation of the market today, then I don't know what you're doing. You're you're probably also not listening to this podcast, but my bearish is Robin Hood and all the other assholes that halted trading in today's market. Um, they pretty much, I mean, I'm no investor, so I'm probably going to be wrong when I explain it like this, but to me, what it seemed like is they got pissed that all the retail investors, aka the little guys, figured out how to like collectively join together online on Reddit and move the markets like the big boys do, the hedge funds, and they essentially just beat them at their own game today. And then they realized what was happening and then just basically stopped what was happening as far as trading goes, which <laughs> to me, I mean, I when you when I hear the words free market, that has uh the complete opposite sound <laughs> to me. I mean, like, what the fuck, guys? Like, come on. Like, if you if you guys, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, at, at the end of the day, the 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 big like the big giants are gonna they're going to uh, essentially win. Not not like they're they're gonna be the ones that come out of this on top. But like, I, I don't know why not like you why you can't let the little guys win this once and then honestly they, they could have done a little reverse psychology on all of us like idiot investors like me who will watch a TikTok and then go buy that stock you could have just let let us win that one and think like oh you can keep doing it you know <laughs> and then they could have just absolutely housed us but now i'm i'm gonna have my eyes a little bit more peeled and i'm gonna have to like get a couple more sources before blindly buying into more stocks so robin hood you're on my shit list I'm going, I'm bearish on you guys. You're going to have a lot of money withdrawn from you and probably get smoked on your IPO. I'm sure half of our listeners have no idea what I'm talking about at this point, but you guys get it. Robin Hood, bearish. All right, Heim. Let's hear it. Who's your bearish? Yeah, and for my bearish, I'm going to go bearish on the baseball writers of America. You know what? Honestly, fuck you guys. You put, you voted zero, zero people into the hall of fame this year in a ballot that has Barry Bonds 
and Roger Clemens, the best hitter and the greatest pitcher of all time. Also, Kurt Schilling. Uh, for baseball, it's a dark time. And as a baseball fan, T. Willie, I know you stand with me in solidarity. This, I don't know how we come out of this, honestly. The baseball writers have co-opted power. They think that they are not only the judge, they are the jury, and they are the executioner. And and they're super dumb about it. And they're super dumb. Barry Bonds, prior to ever taking a steroid, was a Hall of Famer. After taking steroids, in an era where everyone took steroids, and the commissioner of baseball, Bud Selig, RIP, but you know what? You condoned it. You did. Eh, I, I have nothing. I mean, eh, these eh. guys, these Urgh. guys, these guys saved the sport too. You know, like everyone talks about baseball being saved. It was because of this era that was happening here with all the home runs. Yes, everyone was juicing. Yes, the, like it was crazy to watch. Yes, it was like unfair that they were taking steroids, but. At the same time, like it was happening throughout the league. So you can't just discriminate against guys who essentially like admitted to doing it when there's been tons of dudes, I'm sure, who are in the Hall of Fame as we speak that probably took steroids. And just because they didn't get caught doesn't make it okay. So like the, the for the baseball writers to be like holier than thou on all this stuff, like did, did the baseball writers have uh, Adderall back in the 1920s? Did, yeah, did I, they have probably, monster energy drinks? I mean, I don't know, man, but they, these guys, they they suck, man. They just they just really suck, and they're ruining baseball. And the fact that there's zero people voted into this year, it's a travesty, and it's an embarrassment, and I really don't have anything to say to support their decisions or make excuses for baseball. It's just – this is unacceptable. We have to be better. We can be better. Hopefully we will be better. Yes. I, I think one way we can try to maybe uh, change this from the inside out is that we start like a, like a baseball blogging website and like make it sound super official and like become into the baseball writers. And then we can get a ton of actual baseball players to join into this and actually become baseball writers so that they get to vote. Yeah. Drop my I mic. Mean, Sorry. That might, honestly, that might be the move because the baseball writers, we got to start a coup. Yeah. The baseball writers, you have a responsibility, not just to your job, not just to the game, not just to the people that you serve that pay your salary. But I mean, this is so much bigger than you and you represent a game that is the national pastime that is, you know, 160 years of history. And for you guys to disrespect it in this manner and. Just the idea that there could, it's disgusting. It, it is, it is disgusting. And it, it hurts me as a baseball fan to know that these people are, determining futures and they are representing what what both you and i love as a sport and it's i mean there's no other way to say it than it's it's fucking terrible i mean these guys suck and they're holier than now just like you said and they think that they 
they can pass judgment on someone like Barry Bonds when in reality, you know what? We, it's not us up to us to be the jury and the executioner. He was a fantastic player, the greatest of all time amongst his peers. And you can only judge him amongst his peers. And what he did was it has never been seen in the history of baseball, a sport that goes back beyond basketball, football, hockey, any of that. And for them to totally disregard it, I mean, it's it's just sad. Honestly, it is a, it's a sad day if you're a baseball fan, if you love the sport of baseball, if you want to see it move forward. It is – there's no other way around it, T. Willie. I mean, I don't know what your – what are your thoughts on this? It's – I just I just think it's disappointing. It's straight depressing, honestly. Like, because, I mean, when we think about just Barry Bonds himself and that just his mechanics were actually just transcendental as well. So him just, like, swinging – let's let's take the steroids out of it for a second like this dude changed the way that we swing the baseball bat and that for that there's got to be something said for that and he's obviously yes he like certain aspects of his game changed when he took the steroids because we could all see it you know it was it was pretty evident that what he like that he was doing it but the way that the way that he played the game literally changed the sport forever following what he did so i feel like there should be something more said for for how he impacted it and i i feel like we can just keep saying it over and over and just pound pound this drum till it's till it's broken but he definitely belongs in the hall of fame and if you ask any pitcher who was the hardest guy to get out or who was the scariest dude to face it'd be almost unanimous barry bonds if any of them have ever faced him i we we talked with dennis about it and he was just like yeah i mean i you just pray to God that he doesn't just take you deep oppo and just absolutely embarrass you, you know? And he, if you throw him a strike, like that one season he had uh, the the season he hit 70, they were walking him so much. If you like, he got one pitch every single night, basically, like there would be one situation in which they'd be like, okay, let's pitch to Barry here. We got him down. Oh, two or like one, two, or even two, two. And we are going to try to actually get him out the rest of the time they're walking him. But the one time they would actually try to pitch to him, he would either a hit it out, hit a missile to like right at somebody. Cause they had the shift playing on him or he would like smoke a ball off the wall and get a double. And he had, I'm pretty sure he had more doubles and home runs than he had singles that year. And he had more walks ever in any season than anyone's ever had. So just the the pure intimidation and the skill and what he carried like he was the actual dude i'm sorry if i'm still just ranting here but he was the guy that we talk about basketball being like able to be a one-man sport he was the dude that literally carried his team to the world series with pretty much no one else on that team other than jeff kent who was a good player but not, not a guy that you'd be like that, that lineup wasn't a lineup that you would just be like, man, these guys were the best team in the league. They had Barry bonds and others. And he, he literally carried that team all the way to the world series that year. And I, I, I vividly remember that. And every time he got up to the plate, you had to like, you could not take your eyes off the screen. He was that good. Oh, Okay, now I'm glad that we got that off our chest because that was that was weighing heavy on me. But I, uh, I I hope that he does get in. But you know, whatever it's it's tough to see here. But um, 
Okay, so what else are we going to get into tonight? We've got um, we, we've got Matthew Stafford trade rumors as well. So let's get into Matthew Stafford. I I know the uh, the Colts were thinking about uh, adding Matthew Stafford, which I think the, it says the Colts or Patriots are the two teams that, that are on top of his list. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how he would like. I don't know how he came up with his list or who posted that he had a list or anything like that, but from the random sources that pop up on my phone, that's, that's kind of what I'm going off of. Um, well, what do you think would be, a, what do you think would be a better match for, uh, for Stafford? Well, for him. I feel like he's a better quarterback than Phil Rivers. Frank Reich is pretty much at this point, a, certifiable offensive genius. I like the Colts team. Um, Patriots wouldn't be a bad situation, but I'm pretty clear in the camp of TB12. So fuck you, Bill Belichick. And I really don't want him to have Matt Stafford to work with. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty uh, pro Colts for Stafford. Honestly, I mean, he is the... He's the representation of this era, right? He's going to have massive stats in terms of yards passing, touchdowns, completions, all that stuff. And he's really never won anything. He's been mired in Detroit, which, you know, I mean, pray for him. That's, that's, (laughs) that is, that's. Pretty tough, honestly. So to make it out, uh, I like the Colts for him, but Pats wouldn't be a bad situation. We'll see what else shakes free. But if I am a team that feels like I am a quarterback away, I have talked ad nauseum about my theory that you need a Super Bowl quarterback to really have a legitimate chance. If I'm one of those teams, then I am all in on trying to acquire Matthew Stafford because he could be, he definitely could be that guy for you if he's in the right situation. T. Willie, what do you think about that? I agree. Um, I do need to mention that since he is on possibly like the worst, one of the worst franchises of the past like two decades, <laughs> he he has taken a ton of sacks and hits yeah. that that really age him and really like. Uh, it, it almost to me, instead of being like a 31 to 32 year old quarterback, I feel like he's going to have the lifespan of a 35, 36 year old quarterback. So whoever signs him needs to be careful and probably keep him on like short term deals if they really want to like benefit the most from it. Cause you can, you can see a very, very quick decline in Stafford's ability. I think, especially once he gets towards his mid mid to late thirties, uh, you're going to see a, I, I this is just my prediction. You're going to see a sharp decline in, in him and his skill set. Just so, uh, so all you uh, owners and like GMs that are listening right now, just be cautious, you know, just be smart, take the two to three year deal, see how that plays out. And then if he, obviously if he's getting your, getting your team to the playoffs and stuff, you might, might look into it, maybe extending him, just getting him paid. But I would be wary there. All right. Uh, final final topic of the day. We're going to talk a little bit about the Tiger documentary, but I'm I'm honestly a little little depressed with it. I after watching it, I I don't know. I just felt like 
since I knew the whole story going into it, I felt like they were going to end it a little bit better with a little bit of a higher, like on a higher note, getting me like jacked up to watch Tiger in his next tournament. But I feel like they did a super, super average to below average job of making tight, like helping out Tiger at, towards the end there. Cause I mean, he came back and he won the masters after everything that happened. And it seemed very anticlimactic for me. And I, I don't know. It was just it was just pretty depressing in my opinion just to watch the whole thing and they never really wanted to make him like look good in, in this whole this whole deal and if I was tiger I'd be I'd be a little pissed about this thing I, I hope at some point maybe a part three comes out and like recaps like a lot more of the better stuff that happened to him but it really seemed like they made him out to be more the villain than than the hero when I think if you ask anyone our age, he's definitely more of a hero in their eyes than, than a villain. But I, I, that's probably like one of the most like variable questions. Like if you're asking, like, depending on who you're asking and what generation of like person you're asking, how, like what type of player was tiger to you? Um, you're going to get pretty much answers all over the board, but I don't know. It seemed like someone had a uh, little bit of a vendetta on tiger for this whole thing. And, I didn't really like to see uh, them just kind of diving, prodding into his life like this. And uh, just, you can probably just hear it in my voice. It was kind of just tragic that I, I didn't really, I didn't have any good kind of uh, get to feedback for this. I thought this documentary was very strange. They, they continued to waste time, like showing weird clips of him again. And yeah, I just didn't, I didn't like the whole thing. I, I was, Going into this, I thought we were just going to be like all juiced up and excited to talk about Tiger and his next upcoming uh, games and watching him and the incredible comeback that he had. And now that he's like on the verge of winning the most tournaments ever and they just didn't highlight any of that. They just wanted to talk shit on him the whole time. So not a huge fan of this HBO one. I hope someone else comes out with a better one that kind of like can can bring him back as the hero, you know, but. We'll see. Um, after this weekend, we're going to have, I'm sure, some more some more MLB news, some more rumors, and we're going to have another interview with a special guest. Um, he is a uh, Major League Baseball player. We're going to just tease that. I'm not going to say who it is, but current Major Leaguer, so we're going to talk about that on uh, – we'll probably have it posted on Tuesday. So we'll let you guys know, and we'll probably post it on our Instagram as well, so stay tuned. And uh, we appreciate you guys. If uh, if you guys got anything, any uh, pointless debates that you want us to get out, get down on, whether it's um, like cookie dough versus cookies and cream, or like I saw a funny one online. Do you like? I, apparently, a lot of people don't wash their legs in the shower. They just assume the soap just trickles down and like washes their legs and feet for them, which. I, I was kind of shocked. down economics. Exactly. Yeah. Just gravity, gravity soap there. They're just, it's just washing them from, from the chest down, but we'll talk more about that this weekend and we'll have a, we'll have another episode for you guys beginning of next week. We appreciate you. Tell a friend, subscribe, download all the above rally caps on folks. Have a great rest of your weekend.